0: Let's continue in that heart of prayer, if you would. Let's just go back to pray Uh, as we get into this evening. uh, You know, it's one of those things where uh, if we try to do this all in our own strength, it's going to be pointless, hopeless. We need to invite God to come and help us tonight. So let's continue in that heart of prayer. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, I thank you for each student that's here. Lord, I thank you that you've brought each student to this mountain today. God, you ordained from the very beginning that each student would be at this point, at a, this exact time of history. God, it's amazing that you, when you created, you knew what would be happening today in 2018, Lord, that you know exactly what would be happening uh, the moment you formed this piece of land. God, we love you, and we ask that you would just be working through us this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. How's everybody had a pretty good time so far? Yeah, how many of you guys did the zip? Yeah, all right, there we go. How many of you guys have done the zip lines? Anybody do the zip lines? Okay. All right. You made it. How many of you? Okay. It's okay, guys. You're allowed to admit this. How many of you screamed a little bit more than you expected yourself to scream? Yeah. Did you? You? Yeah. Have, have you, did you lose your voice a little bit? Is it still? You were a horse afterwards? That's weird. Oh, your voice was. That, that makes a lot more sense. That makes you thought you were going to die. Yeah, that's good. How many of you guys did, okay, here's what was funny is like I walked into this building and then I hear music playing and kind of like some thud stuff going on. So I'm like, I wonder what this is. So I go, (laughs) you know what's going on? I went upstairs and then there is some music playing. There is dancing, like choreography stuff going on. How many of you girls were a part of that? All right, there we go. So it was funny, but the difference is like the guys, you know, they looked outside and they're like, it's really cold out, snowing outside. Yeah, that means we should go play football outside, right? Like, how many guys were playing football? Yeah, okay. All right, now, this is where it's really fun. This was guys and girls. I was impressed by this. You're like, hey, nothing's more fun than soccer other than playing soccer while inside of a big ball and hitting each other as hard as possible. Yeah, you guys do that. (laughs) Okay. There we go. That's good stuff. And then how many of you played basketball? Some of you just played basketball, some good old-fashioned basketball. Who – uh, did you guys so when I was growing up we called it lightning or even like I was I'm from like Detroit area way up there where it's like it's good to be from but not currently living in right one of those things so we called it lightning you I think you guys call it knockout is that right yeah. knockout how do we have any winners in here how many people won knockout Did we have a few people okay you're proud of it all right good all right so that's good yeah, I yeah, I'm five foot seven and vertically challenged, and basketball was just never my sport at all. Right? Yeah, I just gave up on trying to be in the NBA when I was like never. Okay, so how many of you guys have been to a church where somebody like they do baptisms, and when they do baptisms, the pastor this is like it's it seems like it's magic. The pastor goes out there, and when he's like stepping out, he comes out in like a robe or something. What do they do at Cornerstone? Do they do that at Cornerstone? Like the robes, they, they do the t-shirts? Okay. So growing up, like my pastor uh, would kind of wear like this robe basically kind of thing. And then five minutes later, he's completely dry out front praying to close the service. I was like, how is this possible? Let me tell you the secret. It's these waiters. Okay. So as I'm demonstrating this, there's how many of you guys need a Bible? Go ahead and raise your hand and the volunteers will be working the way down as I'm kind of telling the story. So these waiters. Okay, so the secret for us is waiters, all right? What we do at our church is we, uh, if we're doing baptisms, we wear a robe. But under the robe, we wear waiters so that we can, if we need to, like, we can unbutton real quick, walk back out and do the closing prayer, or whatever we might have to do. All right, so we wear waiters. So I was doing baptisms one time. And as I was, you probably can already tell where this is going. I was doing baptisms, wearing khakis, so wearing colored pants like these. And we stepped down there, and they're kind of closing out the song. And uh, I'm standing there, and it's kind of nice. Like, the water was heated, all right? Where when I was baptized, the water was like, I think there was like ice cubes. Like, I think I saw the Titanic floating by. I'm like, that's a problem, right? Like, it was freezing. Like, it was one of those things where I had to get down when I was a kid. And uh, I was in the baptismal, and he was like, do you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I'm like, <laughs> yes. Like, I couldn't breathe. Like, how many of you have been so cold in water that, you're like, <laughs> like, you're trying to catch your breath. and like, this isn't supposed to happen. My lungs are supposed to work. All right, I'm not even, all right. So that's what it felt like. So the water was nice and warm, and I was standing there, and uh, I was in, I had the robe on and the waders underneath. And then I feel water <laughs> running down my legs like this isn't this isn't good so i'm standing there and not even doing baptism yet the 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 student who was a, a young man was standing next to me and i'm looking at him and the, the song is about to to finish and i'm standing there as i'm feeling like water starting here going down and you know uh, you know that feeling like wet socks is there anything worse than i mean there is stuff worse than wet socks but that's like pretty high up there right? like so i'm standing there feeling my leg get wet no joke both sides of my waders are filling with water and i'm like this is this is not, like, it's one thing to be wearing stuff knowing, hey, I'm going to be getting wet. It's another thing to walk down in the water wearing this kind of stuff and then realize I'm getting soaked, right? So I'm standing there, and, of course, the waiters just keep filling and filling and filling. So by the end of it, okay, the baptismal, like the, the pool we got baptized in, has steps going out that I'm like, <laughs> right? Because have you ever, like, have you ever gone in the pool wearing jeans or something and you get kind of wet? Okay, like jeans, like you try swimming in it, and you're like, I think I'm wearing lead pants. I'm not sure, but I think my pants are made of lead. That's what it felt like. But I have basically buckets around each foot because my waders are filling with water. I'm like trying to climb up the steps and I'm like, oh, like I look silly trying to walk out of this. I'm like, that secret didn't work. Come to find out the other pastors knew it and they're like, oh yeah, you're supposed to use the other waders. Like, thanks. That'd have been nice to know before I'm wearing buckets on each foot, right? So the point of today, so this morning we talked about being lost at sea, being out to sea, and there being just one lifesaver, needing the lifesaver, right? So I was talking about how you, like, you have your driftwood, you're trying to create your own rafts and everything, and then there comes a point where you realize that God sent his son. He sent his son, the lifesaver, to come out, and that you call out to him, and he promises to save you. It says, if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Lord that you will be saved. And that's beautiful truth. But here's what I think happens. I think a lot of us accept Jesus. And then we think, at the time we accept Jesus, we think, oh, this, here, I've accepted Jesus. This is my finish line, right? Because a lot of people say, hey, you should get saved. And then they jump like way ahead saying, so that you can go to heaven one day. And it's almost like when you hear that, the only thing about being saved is, it's a get out of hell free card. When I get saved, I got to go to heaven, and that's all there is to it. And we kind of just stop here, and like I was talking about this morning, or this afternoon, a lot of us don't start to tug on this. You know what I think is even more dangerous than just kind of doing that? I think what's even more dangerous is we try to start improving ourselves in our own strength, right? Because I was showing you this, waiters, imagine that you're out to sea, you're lost at sea, you've, you've been saved now, right? Like, you've accepted Jesus, so your eternity is set. Like, you are saved, you are going to heaven, you have Jesus Christ living inside of you. You've gone from being dead to now being alive, right? But I think what happens is we just start thinking of heaven, and we're like, okay, that doesn't mean I have to do anything here on earth. That's just a future, like, I can worry about that when I'm in heaven. And I think what we try to do is we try to start improving ourselves, and it's almost like what we do is while we're still in the water, we have Jesus here with us, and then we say, hey, you know what? I want to try to start improving myself. Like, I I want to be, uh, like, I want to be a better person. I want to be a good person. You know, like, I want to, you know what? I even not just want to be a good person. I want to start telling other people about what it means to be Christian, but you know what we don't do? We don't rely on the Lord. We don't go to the Lord. We don't seek him. We say, you know what, God, like now that I'm saved, I'm just going to kind of do stuff on my own again. It's like we're trying to, again, we're trying to hold on to our world, saying this is my will. This is my future. These are the things that I want to do when I grow up. These are the hobbies I want to have. These are the friends I want to have. This is the lunch table I want to sit at, the sport team I want to play on. And, yeah, like we have Jesus. We are saved. But we're still kind of just floating in the ocean. We're still in in the darkness. We're still dehydrated. We're still with the sharks around us. We're still injured. And we say, Jesus, I, I don't want you to really improve my life yet. Like I can do this on my own. I can handle it on my own. And you know what we start to do? We start to get dressed while we're still bobbing in the ocean. It's like, we try to change ourselves saying, God, don't, don't mess with my life. Let, let me handle my life. Let me do what I want to do. And it's like, we start getting dressed. Could you imagine like wearing this in the ocean or putting on these big boots in the ocean, and it's 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 kind of silly. I think what we try to do is we start trying to dry ourselves off using our own strength while we're in the ocean. What we need to do is it's going to be a complete change from us. It's going to be different from everything I experienced because up to this point in our life, all we've known is sin. All we've known is the things that we've done. Everything we've done has been our own decision, our own strength, and we're bobbing in the ocean. And we say, oh, you know what? I need to get dressed. Because what you might hear is you might hear God say, get, get ready. There's a storm coming. I need you to get dressed. There's a storm coming. And you hear his voice kind of like off in a distance. Like maybe you even hear your friends talking about it. And you're like, yeah, I don't really want to change my life that much. I'll just stay where I'm at and I'll do it here. And you try to dry yourself off. And now your towel weighs 4,000 pounds because you're in the middle of the ocean. It's now soaking wet. And you're trying to dry off using a wet towel because you're not changing your location. And now you're, you're starting to be weighed down by the things of this world. And you're like, I thought being a Christian was supposed to be like a better way of living. But what you're ignoring is the fact that you're trying to hold on to the world's voice and you're trying to hold on to God's voice at the same time. You're trying to have one foot in the world and one foot with God. In our illustration, you're trying to stay in the water while saying, God, please save me, or God, please change me, God, please transform me. But we're doing it in our own strength. We're doing it while still bobbing in the ocean with the death, the darkness, the sharks swimming all around us. You know, you say like, you know what, I want to be saved, but God, please don't change too much. You know, I want to be a Christian, but God, just please let, let me just do my own thing. Like, God, how about you join me in what I'm doing? When really Christianity is saying, God, I'm giving up everything I've ever done, and I want you to be the new master, the new captain of my life. So there are some words. How many of you have ever even heard the word theology? Okay, how many of you? You can be honest. Let's have fun with this. How many of you have never heard the word theology? You're like, Theo, Theo, I, I know a guy named Theodore. I've heard that before. All right, so theology, this is just like the study of God, kind of like you've heard biology, All these ology words is just, okay, it's what we do when we study God. So there's this term, and, you know, I'm going to use a term that you're like, what? All right. But here's what I'll, let's, let's pretend that we're nice. We're like, I feel like it's one of those movies where it's like a nice desk lamp and a guy sitting in a leather chair. That's like, you're like $5,000. You're like people spend that on chairs and he's wearing a nice coat and he's sipping tea with, of course, pinky out. All right. Say, say this word with me in your best professor voice, say justification. Say that with me. Ready? Justification. All right. How many of you feel like you have a great professor voice? You're like, I might be a professor. That voice was incredible. Anybody want to yell? All right, you want to try to say it for me? Say justification. Man, I'm convinced. So give it, yeah, give a round of applause. That's good. That's really good. So justification, you're like, again, I, like, I know a guy named Theodore. I think I know a guy named Justin, but that's about all I know about. So justification, you're like, what in the world is justification? Why is this guy wearing a raincoat talking about justification while it's snowing out? Weird. All right. So justification. Justification is like a change of title. It's a legal thing. It, it'd be like, it, you know, like, have you heard of people change their name when they get married or things like that? It's like, let's, let's think of it as a legal change. Okay, that before now, God saw you out to sea and you were, you were lost. Okay, like I said this morning, you were even an enemy of God. That when God looked down from the worship and he saw you, it's like a label over your head was saying sinner or saying lost or saying dead or saying out to sea or saying an enemy of God. And what's beautiful is that the moment that we receive Christ, right, our life is changed. Instantly, our life is changed. Because before it says lost, now that we found Christ, it says found. Before it said enemy, now this is what's beautiful. There's a few terms that we can use as, as Christians. One of them is servants. Okay, we're a servant for God. But you know what? Jesus even said this. He says, you're not just a servant. You're my friend. He says, because a, a, a master doesn't tell a servant his plan. He says, I've told you everything I plan to do. But you know what's even more beautiful in Ephesians 1.5? It says that we're not just servants. Look at what Ephesians 5 says. It says, God decided in advance to what? Adopt us. Did you catch that? God decided in advance to adopt us. He says, you're not just a servant. You're not just a friend. He says, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. And Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and gave and it gave him great pleasure. Cuz up to this point, like I said, we're out to sea. Right? We're lost at sea. We had no hope a- apart from Christ himself, we had no hope. And I, again, I think like a lot of us are like, "Well, let me try to give advice. Let me try to help my friends." That's like the lost like helping the lost, right? Scripture says it's like the blind leading the blind. It's like, you know, I don't really want to, like, yeah, I have Jesus, but, like, let me just help my friends, but Jesus, like, it'd it'd be embarrassing if I told them I was a Christian. And, like, we we keep Jesus at a distance, and we're like, yeah, well, you know, just try to be a better person, try to, and it's like, Jesus, like, I I really don't want you to come into my life. My friends would make fun of me if I told them I was a Christian. And then you try to, like, help your friends, and you're like, yeah, but and there's this struggle where you're like, almost afraid to be a Christian. You're afraid to admit that you know Jesus, that you've accepted him in your heart, and you keep him off at a distance. But look what that verse says, right? That verse is, is incredible. It says, Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt this. Do you know what that says? That says that the worship, right? Or kayak, but worship, right? That worship, the whole reason it left dock was to come find you. Did you hear that? The reason that warship left the dock, the reason that warship is out on the water, is because God decided in advance. It's not like He was just out on the ocean, like, "Oh, you know what? Like this is this is good. I'm out on the ocean. And, well, I hear some voices. I might as well save them while I'm there." No, it says that God set out in advance to save us. Okay, Th- that's beautiful. Okay, that his whole intent, his whole reason for being out to sea is knowing that you were lost at sea. It says that he decided that in advance to, to do what? By bringing us to himself through Jesus. Do you catch what that looks like in our picture? It says that he was out on the water, that he was in the in the boat, right? And he says that I want to bring you in. And how am I going to do it? through the person of Jesus Christ. What he does is he he sends out his son into the world, into the danger, into the pain itself, and he casts it out to you saying, hey, I want you to be saved. The only way you can be saved is to grab hold of the lifesaver, to grab hold of Jesus, and for me to bring you in. So it says, one, that he decided in advance to adopt us. How beautiful it is that he wants us to be his son. He wants us to be his daughter. The only way that's possible is through the lifesaver by bringing us to him through Jesus Christ. How incredible is that, right, that we're out to see that we're lost. But here's the thing. It says bring us to him, right, because it doesn't just say that, that Jesus wants to come out and just be like okay life is going to be tough let's just stay out here in the water let's just stay out here in the ocean let's just bob around let's i know there's sharks but let's just stay out here and you know i know you you kind of built up your driftwood palace let's just kind of stay here with that and you know what like let's not change your life too much cuz i'd be afraid of your friends making fun of you and you'd be embarrassed no it says that god wants to draw us in it says he wants to bring us to him he doesn't want us to just stay out there in danger he wants us there and you know what like you're hearing this and there's going to be people that are like, man, like, why doesn't God just end it all? Like, why does not he just take me to heaven right now? And there's going to be some that are like, you know what, like, like let me just go, why has why God not come back or why am I not raptured? Why am I not in heaven yet? And, and Peter actually refers to that. This is 2,000 years ago. Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some might think. Right? Because there's some that would be like, they're thinking to themselves like, man, why doesn't Jesus just wrap this up? Or why am I still here on this earth? If I'm saved, why doesn't he just let me go to heaven? Or why doesn't he just give me that relationship? And then this verse says that God isn't slow in the way we think of it. He's not being slow by still being out to sea. Look what it says. It says that he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. That's how the verse continues. Look, Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord isn't really being slow with his promise, as some might think. Continue on, it says, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. Because what happens is I think there's still voices out there crying out for the Lord. There's still voices that are saying, is this, is this all this life is about? Like, do I really have purpose? The, the question, why am I here? There's still voices shouting out that have not heard of Jesus. There's still your friends who have not heard you mention to them what it means to be a Christian. There's still kids on your sports team that haven't heard from you what it means to go to church, why you go to church, what it means to have a relationship with God. And you know what I think? A lot of times we are told what Christianity is. Sometimes we're told, hey, become a Christian because it's not that much harder or become a Christian because you get to go to heaven. You know what I think sometimes we, we tell people is like, hey, you should become a Christian because it's easy. Or like we lie to them saying, hey, everything gets better when you're a Christian. No, we're, it's still tough. You know, what Jesus doesn't do, what God doesn't do, is he doesn't pay for you to have like a a one-way vacation, like to just go back and just relax on the beach. Isn't it amazing to think that when God saves you, he doesn't just pay a vacation to go to heaven. Like you're just sitting out here, you have your nice, your nice Gatorade, you can relax. And you know what he also doesn't do? He also doesn't save you to go down to the lower decks of the boat. So now imagine that I'm on the boat like playing like go fish, right? It'd be an appropriate game to play while you're out in the ocean, right? Like you're, you're playing there and you're like, hey, do you have any sevens? No. Oh, go fish. Okay. <laughs> you know, and then like around the game, you're like, do you remember when Jesus saved you? Wasn't that great? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that was really great. Like it, it completely changed my life. Yeah. And has it? like have you told your friends about it no do you have any eights no man i can't find anything yeah and then you're you're like playing you're like yeah and hey do you hear that do you still are those still voices crying out and hoping to be saved yeah got any kings yeah no man yeah do you think we should go maybe help them do you know how comfortable this chair is? Like, for real, though, this, this chair is really comfortable. This is, again, it's kind of my wife's chair because mine isn't as comfortable. So you're sitting down here, and you're like, are you seeing a trend here? Like, my wife has a really comfortable kayak and a comfortable chair. I need to talk to her about this. No. So you're, you're sitting under deck, and you're like, yeah, man, like, that would be really tough to be on the upper deck. You know, it's, it's cold out. It's windy. There's a storm coming. I can even hear the captain's voice telling us that we should probably be up there, but I need a three. Do you have a three? You have three, don't you? <laughs> I knew it. You know, but what Jesus doesn't do, what God doesn't do, is he doesn't save you just to give you a vacation. He doesn't save you and then magically make everything easier. He doesn't save you and then say, you know what? As soon as you're saved, all your problems are going to go away. You know what he does, though? Is he saves you and says, you know what? Life will still be hard. You'll still have troubles. But you will have hope. Because in John 16, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, Jesus says, Jesus himself says, in this world, you will have trouble. And when you hear that, you're like, well, that's not very encouraging. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do you know he said that before he was crucified? He was already saying, listen, this world has nothing on me. It can't stop me. There is nothing that will stop me. Did you know that the, the Pharisees, the, the people planning to, to kill Jesus, did not want to kill Jesus during Passover? Okay, and you're like, okay, what's the big deal? Just, just kind of stick with me. They didn't want to kill Jesus during the festival. They were afraid of the people. They said, hey, they might be upset. There's some people that are really starting to like Jesus. And like, if we kill them during Passover, this is going to be really bad. Do you know what Jesus does? He basically forces them to kill him on his own terms. Do you realize that? Jesus says, I know you don't want to kill me during Passover, but I'm going to do it because I'm God. I'm the son of God. I'm in control no matter what you think you're doing. This has been prophesied for hundreds and thousands of years. I'm going to die for the sins of the people, and they will be saved because of my death. And there is nothing man can do to stop that. And he says, you know what? When I save you in this world, sure, we're still going to have trouble. You know what God does? He doesn't just get saved and then run to the dock and then park and be like, okay, we're done saving people. No, just like 2 Peter 3 says, it says that he stays out in the ocean because there's still voices crying out. He says there's still work to be done. And you know what I'm doing now? I'm building a team of individuals to go out as missionaries, to go out as people of my crew, into their schools, into their neighborhoods, back into their families, because I want them to help those that are still crying out. I want them to help those that are still lost. He keeps the boat on the ocean. And like I was talking about with my waiters, there's a, there's a quote I've heard. That's perfect for the series. There's a, a, a quote of her that it's okay for the boat to be in the ocean. It's a problem when the ocean is in the boat. Think about that. Think about that now personally. It's fine for the waders to be in the water. It's a problem when the water gets into the waders. Right? Because what God does, he says, listen, this floating warship out here, the waves can't touch it. He says, but when I bring you in, I'm going to have to start changing you. There's going to be some things that you used to do in your old life. There's going to be some things, some friends you said or had some some jokes you told, some of the movies you used to watch. There's going to be some things that I just need you to leave out in the ocean. He says, but I want you. I want you in the boat with me. I don't want you to stay out there because out there I know there's death and destruction. Out there, there's no hope. He says, the reason I sent my son is to draw you in, is to bring you in, because I don't want just you to be out there hopeless. I don't want you to just even come into the boat and have no relationship with me. I want you to come into the boat, and I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. And he says, listen, it is going to be hard, and I'm going to ask you to change a lot, but it's going to be well worth it. And then in Mark 8:34, it says, if any one of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. Again, do you realize Jesus said this before he was crucified? He says, if anyone wants to be my follower, if anybody wants to be in the boat, it's going to mean a death of everything you've known, but there's going to be hope in the new life. There's going to be difficult things you're leaving behind, but listen, everything I have to offer won't die with this world. It's going to last for eternity. Because, yes, you're going to leave some things behind, but everything that starts here in the boat, it starts here and it never finishes because you will have everlasting life. You will always be alive and you will always be with me forever and ever. Nothing can take you out of my hand because once you grab the lifesaver, the the lifesaver grabs you and it never lets go. There's going to be times where you're like, God, I just can't hold on any longer. God, this is hard. What do I do? And he says, you know what? even though you get tired, I am always faithful. There's this word faithful that means he will never let go. Then he says, listen, I have a pretty strong grip and nothing can pluck you from my hands. He says, this decision you're making, marriage is important. The way you act is important. All these things are great. This decision to grab hold of Christ and allow him to grab you is the only decision that starts eternal life that trying to improve yourself is sometimes dangerous when you try to do it on your own without the help of Christ. Then when you try to change the way you look, change the way you act, when you try to change yourself, when you try to change your future, when you try to change things without the help of Christ, sometimes it's more dangerous because you're trying to hold on to him, hold on to your life, and also try to improve yourself and your waiters are filling with the water and the sin around you. And Christ says, listen, I need you to let go of all of your old hope. I need you to let go of everything you've held on to because I want to draw you in. An important decision to make is I want you just not near the boat, not just touching the boat. He says, I want you in the boat. He says, out here is death, destruction, pain. I want you in the boat right? Now, God says, now I can start improving your life. Now I can start changing you. Out here when you're in the water, when you're living your old way, I can't, I can't help you. I sent my son down, and if you deny my son, then you have no hope. If you've ignored my son, if you've trampled underfoot his sacrifice, if you've thrown him away and been like, you know what, I can do this without Christ, he says there's no hope. And, And the father says, I want you in the boat with me. He says, there's going to be work to be done. There's going to be friends of yours that, that might make fun of you, saying, why do you think you're up there? Why, why are you leaving us behind? Or, like, come on, you're not, you're not all that different. And he says, no, 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 like, he says, stay with me in the boat. Okay? In the water is destruction, is shark, is dehydration, is darkness, is, is pain, is suffering. And it says, yeah, when you're in the boat, it's still going to be hard. But what you're doing has eternal benefit. He says, what you're doing with me, when you're in the boat, you, your friends that you tell about Christ, he says, listen, you're, it's like you're growing eternally. It's like your spiritual life, your eternal life, is growing and growing and growing from that point. And this morning we talked about John chapter 3. We talked about John 3.16. And there's the verse that, like I said, I think a lot of us have heard, some of us have memorized. John 3.16 says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, remember I said that that God loved us the reason he set out to see is to save us right it says that he from he, he determined ahead of time to to set out to see to save us to adopt us and this verse says that's how God loved us is he sent his son eventually to die for us so that we could have a relationship and it says that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life that the son was sent out that anyone who holds on to him will from that point forward never see hell that point forward that have new life fill them live in him. But you know what I think we do a lot of times is we don't turn the page to that next verse. John 3:17. We've looked at John 3:16, but John 3:17 describes it a little farther. It says, "God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to what? Save the world through him. But to what? Save the world through him. But to what? Save the world through him." It says that Jesus came down not to judge the world because, you know, what Jesus isn't doing, and I think a lot of people that don't understand the heart of Christ, what they think Jesus does is comes in and says, your sins are corrupt, and you know what, you're not following my rules enough, or you know what, you'll never live up to being the Christian that you could be. Like, you'll never be as good as your friends, and you know what, you and I think a lot of people think Jesus is judging us. Right? We we look at that and we think, oh, yeah, like, it's just a list of rules. It's hard to follow. No, it says the whole reason Jesus came wasn't to be like, hey, you're pretty bad at swimming. Hey, look how bad you are at treading water. Or hey, look at all that stuff you're holding on to. You'll never amount to anything with it. And, and there's these lies that the world is telling us that we think as Jesus. There's these lies that I'll never amount to anything. There's these lies that, these lies that you know what, like, it's okay to hold on to Jesus and hold on to the world. And it says, no, 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 Jesus came down not to judge us, not to tell us what we're doing wrong. It says the reason he came down is to save us. Because we, we look at John 3.16 and we think, oh, yeah, that's great. And then we ignore that a lot of times in John 3.17, we think of Jesus as just like only a hard ruler, or somebody that's just like only going to be like, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. And we ignore the grace. We ignore the really the beauty of Christ, the gentleness of Christ saying, hey, walk with me, come into the boat, let me show you, there is a better way. And at what cost did that come? At what cost did all of this come? Look at what it says in Second Corinthians 5.21. It said, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Because remember that, that big professor word, do you remember what it was? Justification, right? The justification, justification. You guys are going to be like playing Gaga tomorrow and be like, and then the word's just going to pop in your mind, justification. You're like going down the zip like, ah, justification, right? Like all this, you're going to remember that word. All right, justification is, like I said, it's like a legal stamp saying that you've been saved, all right? It's like a legal change completely because before when God was looking at you. He saw you lost at sea. He saw you without hope. And he says, they're hopeless. They're dying in their sin, right? There's no way for them to get in this boat. There's nothing they can do to earn it. They can't swim enough. They can't, they can't be good enough. They can't earn it. They can't buy it. They can't pay for it. There's nothing that they in the water can do to be saved. And that's where this first comes in. And it says that God made Christ, who never sinned, who never did anything wrong, to basically be thrown overboard into our death. He faced the punishment that we deserve. It says that that Christ was sent down to bear our sins, to basically take the punishment that we deserve. Because here's the truth. Remember, like I said, that justification thing, how I said it was like being lost and being even like dead, like scripture even says that we're dead in our sin. I think we're forgetting the title again, enemy. I think we forget again that we are an enemy of God, that our sin causes us to be against God, to be an enemy of him. So there's no reason that when you look at the worship, there is no reason that God should let you in his boat because you're an enemy of his. You're fighting against him. With your sin, it's like you're pushing off the worship. And it says that God is standing up here saying, listen, I know they're hopeless, and I know there's only one way to be saved for my son to go and pay for their punishment. And that's when Jesus was sent down. He says, listen, I'm not sending Jesus, I'm not sending you down to be a judge of them. He says, listen, I already know they're my enemy. I already know they're dead in their sin. I already know they're lost at sea. We don't need a judge to tell us that because we already know that. The reason I'm sending Jesus down is to save them. And in God's love, he sent Jesus down so that we might be rescued. And like I said, the justification is this idea that finally we're changing location, that we were once in jail to our sins. We were once an enemy of God, and he wants us to be in relationship with him. Now, I have, I have two kids. One of them is, is a little boy. He's five months old, super cute. He's, like, just getting to the point of laughing. Did I hear some, awes? that's all right. That's just like one of those, like, you mention a baby, and everyone's like, aw. <laughs> Baby, he's so cute. Like, why do like why do adults instantly like turn into like this? Right. So I have a little five month old, and I have a little three year old who thinks and sometimes seems that she is the queen of everywhere she walks. Like she reenacts Elsa everywhere she goes. Like everything is frozen. The other day, I was. God, not just Kristoff, I was also the reindeer. I was like, I was like, I had to like get down and she was on my back and I'd have to run and it was, it was crazy. So her name is Naya. So my little boy's name is Eli and I have a little daughter. She's three, cute little thing. Her name is Naya. Now from the time she was born, her name was Naya. From the time she was born, she was every bit of Naya. Like there's no other Naya Laney Cole that is my daughter, right? Like that is Naya, But you know what happens when she's born just like my little son? He can't tell you his name. He's five months old. At this point, even when I call his name, he might hear my voice and he might look, but he doesn't know his name. If somebody yelled Eli, he wouldn't look and know that that was him. But from the time he was born, that was his identity. And I think that's true with us as Christians. Sometimes when when we first grab hold of Christ, we we know that there's something different about what we've done we just don't know all the implications of what being born again means. And even though from the point we grab onto him, we are made alive. We're, even as scripture calls it, born again. Right? We're born from the time, that we're spiritually, right? Because we have, like, we were born physically and stuff. But from the time we hold on to Christ, we have started a new spiritual life that starts here and carries into heaven. And we might not be able to explain everything. We might not fully understand it. But from the time we grab onto him, we're born again, and that professor word, justified. From the time we hold onto him, okay, our our title has changed. We've been given a new identity. The first step of that is holding onto him, realizing, hey, I'm now born. And then remember that God wants to draw us to him, to bring us in to get into the boat. And the next few days, the next few nights, what we're going to talk about is what it looks like to change our identity. But I want to challenge you guys that just like my daughter, now she can tell you her name. She can spell her name. She's understanding that she is Naya. Use Christians. When you're saved, notice it's called being born again. It's a start of something because here's what I think happens. is I, Again, I think what happens is we hold on to him, and that's our finish line. We think, okay, good, I'm saved but there's no you've probably heard this word there's no discipleship that follows there's no change of your life that occurs there's no getting out of your old sin and going him. because what you say is you say oh I don't really have to leave my sin because I'm saved look I'm saved my even my title notice up here once said lost now it says found right okay I don't have to change very much I have Jesus I'm saved and say, oh, I'm just, I'm, I was born with an anger issue. I don't really have to change it. Or, you know what, like you don't understand how annoying my family can be and I don't really have to obey them. Or, you know what, I don't really have to. And, and what we start doing is we, we stay in the ocean and say, okay, I, I'm saved. That's the finish line. I don't have to go any further. But just like I'm talking about my daughter, from the time she was born, she was given a new identity and notice, born as being the start of her new identity, a start of something new. For you as a Christian, when you hold on to Christ, that's a start of your new life. It's not the finish line. It's not the, ah, finally I'm saved. I can stop doing everything. No, it's saying like, listen, from the time you're saved, your new life has just begun. And Christ has so much planned for you. Now, what I want to challenge you guys with, and here in a moment, the band's going to come back up. And here in a moment, I'm going to ask the small group leaders to come up here forward. What I want to challenge you guys with is to understand that Christ being sent down to us came at a high price. It's not just that, like, he, oh, he came down and he, he must to save us. Christ knew that when he came down, he was going to face crucifixion. From the time he was going to come down, he was going to face rejection. He was going to be made funny. He was going to be mocked, catch this, by the very people he created. Think of that. That Jesus created all things through him, for him, by him. Everything was created. There's nothing that was created that wasn't created apart for Christ. That Christ was the very foundation. Christ was the very vehicle. Christ was the way things were created. Yet he is going to come down and die for the creation that are enemies of him, rebels against him. That it wasn't just going to be a cheap, an easy thing just like, oh, here it is, now you're safe. No, Christ knew that when he was cast down, that this was going to be death itself. Because think of how hard it would be to be the king of all things, the, the creator of all things, to trap yourself into a human body, a baby body, like he was, he was born as a baby, helpless, to grow up and to then realize that in 30 years or so, in 33 years, people, the very people you created are going to spit on you and they're going to mock you. They're going to be the ones that shout, crucify him, crucify him. We'd rather have the the prisoner set free. We'd rather have this violent man set free, and we want Jesus crucified. And Jesus says, listen, I know I'm their only hope that if I don't do this, that they are destined for hell. Because Jesus said, listen, I know by themselves they can't pay for their sins. Because when they're an enemy of God, there's nothing they can do to pay back what they've done against God. And Christ said, I know it is me and only me that will be able to save them. So when you guys arrived here this weekend, some of you came in knowing, hey, like some of you, like I said, came in knowing Jesus. Some of you, realistically, I think you showed up here not even knowing that you're lost. You're saying, wait, I have to ask Jesus into my heart? And I think some of you are holding on to your driftwood. Right? And then there's some of us that are holding on our driftwood and trying to hold on to Christ and we're saying, you know what, I, I like it here in the ocean. This is all I've ever known. I don't want to change. I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to give up what I've worked for, right? And what God is saying is he says, listen, drop the driftwood. Drop the junk. He says, start tugging. Start coming to Christ. Realize the reason I was sent out, okay, I was sent out even to die for you, to prove that I love you, I died for you, even to buy you back I will die a sinner's death. I will die for you. Even though you deserve the death, I'm going to die for you. And he says, listen, but I don't want to end there. I want relationship with you. And it's hard to have relationship with you when we're both fighting waves out here. He says, I want to get you into the boat. And I want to challenge you guys to make whatever the next step is, whatever stage of this process you're in, wherever you are, Whatever you're holding on to or wherever you are, I want to challenge you guys to give up. Stop fighting against him. Grab hold of him and realize that his death is your only way to life. That his death is your only way to life. Grab hold of him and say, God, please save me. God, I can't do anything. I can't earn it. God, please save me. God, I I didn't even know that I was an enemy of you. I didn't know I was lost. God, please find me. God, please make me not just your friend, not just your servant. Make me your son. Make me your daughter. Now, small group leaders, what I want is, small group leaders, I want you to come stand up here because there's going to be students that have been fighting against God. There's going to be students that have been warring against him. There's going to be some that didn't even know they were lost. And what I want is when I go into prayer, I want your small group leaders to be available here. Because I want you to not be ashamed. I want you to be excited saying, listen, I realize now that I don't need to be ashamed that all of us started out lost, that all of us started out dead. I don't don't want to be ashamed of that. I want to be excited that now I can find salvation. Now I can find life. Now I can be made a son and daughter. So as we go into this song, I'm going to come back up a little bit through. And what I want to do is I want to be praying with you. I'm going to be praying for you. Feel free to come talk to them. Like I said, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Be excited that finally you are saved. Don't feel like we're going to judge you. Be excited that we have people here excited to see you become a son and daughter. We are excited to see you saved. We're excited to see you drawn close to him. We're excited to see you change everything about your life. So when I close in prayer, I want you to be praying in your own heart. Saying, God, I didn't know. Or, God, you know what? I did know and I was intentionally fighting against you. Or saying, God, you know what? I knew I was lost. God, you know what? I, I've been holding on to things in this world, and putting them is even more important than you, and I've been just kind of asking you to join me, but I'm not. until now, I wasn't ready to give it all up. And I want this moment to be a start line, or at least a step that draws us closer and closer and closer and closer to him. It's not the finish line. It's the starting line saying, God, I've got a race to run, and I want to run it with you. God, I want you to be my inspiration. I want you to be my life. So let me go ahead and close in prayer, and I don't want you to feel free during that prayer to start moving forward. As we go into the song, feel free to use this as your altar. Feel free to use this as your time to give up your driftwood and, and put it on the altar saying, crucify this. Let this be put on the cross. Let this be your place to do that. Let this be the place that you go to war with the things of this world saying, God, I need you, I need in your boat. God, only you can save me. You are the only life saver. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every student here. Lord, I pray that as we go into the song of singing of the altar, Lord, I pray that we'd recognize we don't need to be embarrassed. We need to be excited that you have died, but you rose again showing that nothing can hold you down, not even our sin, not even death itself. God, let us worship you, and let this moment be a time where we fight We fight everything we've been holding on to, Lord, and we finally surrender it all over to you. I pray that we'd admit that we've done wrong, that our voice would cry out, save me, save me, save me, for I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God. Thank you. God, I just pray that we would continue to fight here, Lord. I pray that this would be a battleground against the darkness that's trying to pull us back into the waves. God, I pray for boldness for the students that are in here, that they would not be shy, they would not be embarrassed, they would not be ashamed. God, that they would come forward and say, I want to know God more. I want to be in the boat. I want to be in a relationship with him. God, I pray that for every student in here that they would, that they would no longer be blind to their, the, the fact they're lost, even blind to their death, but they would recognize they need you. I pray that in this moment they would come to the altar. God, I pray that conversations would happen up here that would alter their eternity, that their eternity would be changed because of the belief that occurs here at this stage. God, I pray that as we sing to you, we'd be praising you, we'd recognize that your blood was the price for our sins. God, I pray that some in here would be born, that they'd be saved. God, that this would be the only time that they realize that you are the one life saver. God, I pray for those that are holding on to things in this world, that right now they'd be bold enough to walk forward. God, I pray that they'd sense the support of the students still in their chairs, saying, go forward, go forward. I want to see you excited. I want a brother in the family. I want a sister in the family, a child of God. Students, please be bold. Please come forward. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing here tonight. There's no amount of preaching. There's no amount of worship or singing, Lord. There's nothing in our power that could cause people to want to be born again or to cause revival, Lord, for we don't have the power of life and death. God, only you have the power over the body and the soul and the spirit. God, we praise you for what you're doing tonight in the hearts of our our friends, of our students, Lord. We praise you for what you're doing in us. As we close here tonight, Lord, we just pray that you would continue working this weekend, God, that we would see people be born again we'd see a revival occur because of what you are doing, because of what you want to do, God, even at the cost of your own son. I pray for every student in here, God, that they would come face-to-face with a decision of what to do with you. God, I pray that every one of us would encounter the lifesaver out on the ocean. God, I pray that every individual in here this weekend would come to realize that you are their only hope. As we close here, Lord, I just plead with you to go with us, Lord. We praise you for what you're doing and what you will do this weekend in us and through us. God, I pray that we direct it all back to you. In Jesus' name, amen.